So let's learn Rav Schwab's Taira on two parashas. We're going to learn parashas Vayeshev a piece from, and then we're going to learn a parasha, a piece from parashas Miketz. Um, the one in Miketz is going to be talking about Hanukkah, and we're going to tie it into this piece that we're going to start with, with which is on Vayeshev. Next week, I imagine we're not going to have a vad because it's Hanukkah, right? Do we? I don't know. What, what's on Wednesday night? Is that the Masiba? Oh, okay, good. Right. Okay, fine. So Monday night, I think we're having a tish together that I'm going to be at. And then uh, Tuesday night, I guess, is the Masiba. Wednesday night is your Rebbeim Suda. So, um... Thursday night's what? Thursday night is just night Seder before an off Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, so let us begin. Lamitess um, Yud Very difficult pasuk. It was on that day that Yosef came to the house of Paitifar, Lasais Malachtai, to do his job. And then the Gemara in Saita Lamed Vavam Beis Pligi Ravu Shmuel Machlekes Rav and Shmuel. What exactly this means? What did he come to do? What was his intention that day? Chad Amar Lasis Malachtai Mamish. He came to do his job. He came to do whatever work his job entailed. That's what he came to do. Chad Amar Lasis Tzrachav Nichnas. No, no, no. He came to do. He came to uh, to to have a relationship with Aishas Paitifar. Very difficult pasuk to understand, and we're going to explain it a little bit tonight. But Isa Sha'a Basa Demustayukne Shal Aviv, the Gemara continues that at that moment that he was about to succumb to the Avera with Eshes Paitifar, all of a sudden he looks and he sees the appearance of his father, Yaakov Avinu, in the window, and he gives him a Musar Shmuz that, you know, how could you do this? And you're going to. You know, you're going to basically be stricken from history. All your brothers are going to be written on the Avni Ha'ephite, and you could be amongst them if you're good, but if you're not good, you're going to be uh, erased from the Avni Ha'ephite, which is on the, uh, on the shoulders of the Kain Gadol. And immediately he, he, he pulled away from her. Upirish Malachta Mamish. What does that mean, Malachta Imamish? According to the Shita that holds that it's literally he came to do his work. Well, what was, what, what was his job? What was the position that Yosef had in the house of Paitifar? So if you look in the Targum, it says, Lemivdak Bekisve Chushbane, to check the books of his Cheshpan. Bechem Betargum Yenis, Lemivchesh Bepinkase Chushbane. He was going to basically look over the ledgers, the accounting ledgers. So it sounds like Yosef might have been the first accountant in, uh, in Jewish history, the first Jewish accountant, at least, in Jewish history. He, the Targum says very clearly, his malacha, his job, he wasn't a lawyer, he wasn't uh, an engineer, he wasn't an architect, he was an accountant. He was going to check over the books of his cheshwar. Now the Targum seems to be going with which shita? The shita that says, lasais malachtai. If you're telling me that the job of Yosef was to check the ledgers, to check the debits versus the credits, to make sure that everything is balanced, so then I'm seeing a lot of accounting vibes in this room. <laughs> so, um, 
so if you're saying that uh, that so it's Pasha that's going with the Shita that what Lasas Malachta that's what the Targum is going with. It seems that the Targum is rejecting the other Shita in Chazal that he came to do his Malacha, meaning he came to do Lasas uh, Srachav to do a Maisa of Bia with Eshes Paitifar. So Rav Schwab says, not necessarily. Listen to what he says. Maybe when the Targum writes that he came to check the accounting books, that's even according to the Shita that he came to do a, to have a relationship with Eishas Paitifar. Like Chazal teaches in Teres Kaihanim, it's brought in Rashi, Adam person should not say, Ach, I don't want to wear shotness. You know, like you, there's two different things. You, you, could, pay, you could see a commercial uh, for a Big Mac, right, with the cheese melting on. You could have two different attitudes. Ach, that's, 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 it's disgusting. Or you could say, no, it actually looks pretty good. I would actually not mind having a cheeseburger, but what can I do? The terrorist says, I can't. Which is the better way of doing it? So Chazal say, person shouldn't just say, oh, I don't, it doesn't interest me. It doesn't interest me to wear shotness. It doesn't interest me to eat chazer, to eat bacon. Aval efshi, what should you say? I really want it. I would love to, to try that. But ma'asa v'yavish v'ashem gazer, like how, what can I do? HaKadosh Baruch Hu says I shouldn't, so I, I can't. But I really want to. I have a taiva for it, but I'm just, I'm resisting the taiva. When Yosef came in to look into the cheshben, to look into his pinkas, it didn't mean the accounting ledger. It didn't mean to see how much was the income and how much was the, uh, uh, the assets and the liabilities and all those other good stuff, right, that I'm having uh, nightmares right now as I'm saying that. But rather, he came to look, he was coming to make a spiritual cheshpana nefesh. It wasn't necessarily that he was coming to do the books and look through the records and to see, you know, all the things, whether they add up and all these uh, counting things. It might be a different type of cheshpana. It might be a cheshpana of his own Yetzirah versus Yetzirah's, debits versus credits. How am I doing in terms of my ruchnis, in terms of my taivas? Meaning, he made a cheshben that really I want to do. This is what I want. So I'm going right into the lion's den. I have a tremendous taiva to be with Ashes by Tifar. And I'm not going to say, oh, I don't want that. Let's be honest. I do want it. But, but I'm going to, I, but Yosef was planning on going in. He came that day to do Las Hesrachav. He really came to be with her. He didn't want to mamish be with her, but he wanted to test the cheshben, the book of cheshbenis by himself, and to see how strong he is. How strong is his Yitzhahara? Ezel Gibar, Yitzray. Who is a strong person? Somebody that is able to be kaivish, to suppress his Yitzhahara. So a person sometimes may feel that, you know, let me put myself into a big fat Nisayan, and I'll see then whether or not I can withstand. Being in a base matter, I don't really have so many sinus. But if I go and I, you know, and I, I, 
you know, I go to a certain situation and now I'm mamish thrown into a Nisayan, should I do it, shouldn't I do it? I should say to myself, listen, I really want to do it, but I'm going to stop right before so that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so that, um, so that because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants that of me. That's like sort of going right near a cheeseburger and about to bite into it. It's enough. I don't want it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says not to. I do want it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says not to. It's sort of playing a game with yourself, like trying to play chicken with yourself to see, to test the limits of how strong you really are when it comes to uh, being miskaber over Yitzhahara. That's an approach. There's, that's what Yosef felt he should be doing. Yosef felt that I could go into that house, I know that she's going to be there, I know that it's going to be a tremendous temptation, and I'm going to like test and see whether or not, after I really want to do it, I'm going to stop myself. That's testing his own gevura. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Do you think that would have been good or bad? Bad. Bad, right? We prayed every day that we don't get any sign. Excellent. Right? Every morning by davening, we say, we don't want to be put in a, into a test. And certainly, we shouldn't be testing ourselves. And, and really, we test ourselves a lot. We'll get into that in a minute. But his father, Yaakovino, appeared to him in a, in, through the window, to teach him, this cheshben about making, you know, this cheshben, whether I, I do want it or I don't want it, I could resist it, I, I, I should resist it, I will resist it. That's all very good. Only bizman shod misbeinim be'noilavein atzmai. If you're sitting and you're thinking about a, a slice of bacon, but you're, you're not near a McDonald's, you're not near a Burger King, you're just sitting in your own, you know, in your own Dalat Amis, and we're sitting here right now, boy, it would be really nice to be able to have it, but, Baruch Hashem, I don't want it. That's fine. That's what the Gemara means. It does not mean that you should mamish go into a trafe in a restaurant about to sit down and, and by then it's probably too late. By then there's a very good chance that you're going to succumb to that Yetzahara. But not that you're going to go and do an Avera or put yourself in a Matzav Avera that the Erba is mamish there and she's being Taivea you. And then the Avaida would be to run away from the Aveir without any cheshbim, rak oz, nitzolagamri. Meaning, the Avaida in such a case is, there, there's no cheshbinus. You don't make cheshbinus when it comes to putting yourself in a, in a muck of nisayin and then like seeing how far you could go before you, have to, before you have to stop yourself and turn around. In that situation, if you're ever faced with a place that you're mamish about to be tempted by an Aveir, you don't like play chicken with the Yitzhara, you run away because the Yitzhara is much more powerful than we can ever imagine, especially if you're on the cusp of doing an Avera. It's something that we don't put ourselves into that Nisayan. It's been said, and it's, uh, you know, it's very true, but unfortunately we don't all uh, listen to it, that you know, when we're, when we, we really are like Yosef Sadik in terms of this Cheshpin, in terms of this uh, whatever he did, many of us do this every single night. Because we, you know, we go into our rooms and we have computers, we have smartphones, and you know, we're all alone, no one's there, your roommate's not there for, uh, you know, went away for Shabbos, Matzai Shabbos, you're bored, you're lonely, and at that point you say, all right, let me check what's going on online, let's go to uh, YouTube, I want to do that. Before you know it, we're watching things that are completely usher. 
Why? Because we, we basically did what Yosef did. We, we put ourselves into that makam of Nisayan, and we said, listen, when, when I get there, hopefully I'll be able to miscabra, I won't do it, but very often it's too late by then. The battle has already been lost. Once you even go in and you start flirting with the Yitzhahara, you've lost. It's impossible. It's, unless a person has like the strongest filter, and even then, it's very hard to be Ayman bin Yisayin, as we all, I think, know by experience. So Yaakov Avinu would tell us that we shouldn't even be in a room. There should be like an Isser Yichud to be in a room alone with a computer, with a, with a smartphone, because it's going to, we know what happens. It's, it's inevitable that once you're in it, then you're going to, one thing is going to lead to another. You're going to be you know, bored of looking at sports. You're going to be bored of looking at the news. You're going to be bored of looking at, uh, at whatever else we're looking at. And then eventually something is going to come up and it's going to get our attention and we're going to be hooked. So if we want to understand this Vart of Schwab, I think it could very easily be applied that to, to cases that we're in these situations that we have to really be very strong about being miskaber over our Yitzhahara, over, over technology, which is so overwhelmingly seductive and powerful. And um, remember there was a group in yeshiva going back a number of years, a long time ago, the years mamash fly by. Like I, I, I recently had to go to a doctor, and I didn't. I thought I, I literally thought I, I saw him like three years ago, and the nurse said, "Oh, you have to reapply." The, I said, "Why do I have to reapply?" As if you're a new patient, because you haven't been here in twelve years. Like twelve years, twelve years is like a lifetime. Like you know, how, how did that happen? But that's the way, you know, time flies. You know, we don't realize how. Uh, how many years ago it was. So when I'm speaking about these, these, this room, I'm thinking like four or five years ago. It was probably 14 years ago. And, and these guys, what they did was they set up, I don't even know how they did it, but they had a series of like passwords that every time you go to another screen online in your room, you had to have another roommate like, you know, do the password put their password, and then the next, and you have to have basically a whole chabura in the room together, and only then would you be able to be in any way productive online. Now, that's a bit extreme, but it shows the, the length to which people, and these were very, very good guys, they were not like Avaryanim, they probably never did anything wrong in their life, but they were still so nizar in, you know, in this, because you really, unfortunately, we all know by experience that we have to be. So that's the first vart that I wanted to share with you from this week's parsha and Rosh Now we're going to look at the next page, which is parsha Smikates, and this is a classic vart that Rosh Shwab says, and he's going to tie it into Hanukkah, and then we're going to hopefully make a nice, neat package out of both uh, ideas together. So we know that Parah at the beginning of parsha Smikates and next week's parsha um, has a he wakes up in the morning, he's very startled, he calls all of his chartumim, all of his magicians and his advisors, uh, and, he, and Parah tells him about those weird dreams that he have, has about these skinny cows eating the fat cows, about these skinny sheaves of wheat eating the, 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 the fatter uh, sheaves of wheat. And kalalemid parashazu yitma it's a, it's a crazy dream. These are dreams that are like absurd. 
uh, fat cow, skinny cows swallowing up fat cows. And imagine, you know, you call, let's say you work for the president and he has like these wacky dreams and he calls a whole meeting of his whole cabinet and all the chachamim and all the, the PhDs and the major generals and the, and the chiefs of staffs have to come and listen to the stream of, and darshan about whether or not the, what it means, a fat cow being eaten by a skinny cow, like, what, it's, it's a joke. It's a ridiculous dream. What are you worrying about? Go, you know, turn over, go to sleep. Like, it's not, it's a stupid dream. So it was, it was wacky, these dreams. Why did he get so scared? How did he know that there was something very important that was being flashed and, uh, you know, broadcast to him through these these strange, strange dreams. Now, the chazaka that kings rely upon is that whenever there is a conflict between two parties, the stronger one will always be able to trounce the weaker one. That's, that's basically what people believe, right? If you look in current events, Putin, about a year ago, whatever it was, you know, said, he's Russia, right? Nobody thought that Ukraine, for even a second, would be able to, to, to fight at all. Ukraine was a, a weak state. It's, uh, it was a satellite state of the former Soviet Union. It was like, uh, you know, who would think that Ukraine could have withstood, like, even a day of, of the great Russian bear attacking that's certainly what Putin was thinking. He was thinking that he would just steamroll right across Ukraine. People would just surrender as, as they were rolling their tanks into all the capitals and all the cities. And, uh, and it would be an easy, like, a couple of days, and he'd own the whole Ukraine. That's what he definitely thought. And that's what all kings think. All kings think, well, I'm the more powerful one, and nobody mess with me. He never had any sleepless nights power because he was powerful, he was mighty, and nobody will ever go up against him. But all of a sudden he has this dream. And this dream is a king's nightmare. It's literally a nightmare for any king to even begin to remotely imagine such a scenario happening. You could have skinny cows eating fat cows, meaning you can have a, a power that's very weak somehow be able to overtake and overcome the more formidable, larger, more powerful state. That's something that every king would, 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 have, would have shivers from. And that's exactly what happened to Parai. The weaker ones suddenly were able to defeat and consume the stronger ones. So he got tremors from that. He thought maybe there would be a rebellion. And, uh, and then... The, even though they were weaker, they would be able to overpower them. That's why he called, he summoned all of the big thinkers of his cabinet. He saw a revolution in this dream. It wasn't just a silly dream of fat cows, skinny cows, fat shit. No, no, no. This was, he saw, he woke up and he, it was so real to him 
that the possibility of a rebellion, the possibility that he could actually be overtaken by a more uh, formidable, by, by a less formidable opponent. But sometimes you find in history that that happens. And we're seeing it right as we speak in Ukraine. I don't know what's going to happen in the end. You know, it's still a long way off. But they're giving Russia, the great Russia, a really big run for their money. And they're fighting back and they're winning. And they're taking, Russia hasn't had one real, you know, they haven't overtaken one city successfully yet. It's a tremendous design for Putin. And that's why the world is afraid, like, what he's going to do if he's so, if he feels so cornered in and he's about to lose. And, and the people in Russia are very upset about the war and he's losing. I don't know, over 100,000 soldiers and tanks and airplanes and whatever. They're, the people there are going crazy. He's going crazy, Putin, but this happens. And it's not the only time in history that many times in history you find that if there is a smaller uh, power, but sometimes they're hungrier and sometimes they're more motivated and sometimes they're, they're, they're so much on the line. You know, we look at Eretz Israel in the recent history of you know, how many Arab countries are attacking simultaneously and about to, you know, it seemed like all was lost, but Kal Yisrael was able to come back and, and defeat all of those great nations surrounding them. And not only did they, did they hold them off, they actually took territory from them. And that's what the West Bank is, that's what Gaza is, that's what the old city is, the Kaisel. All these were victories of, uh, you know, in defense of their country. But it happens in history that weaker powers are sometimes able to overcome the stronger powers. And this is what power was so scared of. Notice that Shabbos Hanukkah always happens in Parshas Miketz. You know why? Because that is the whole story of Hanukkah. Hanukkah was a miracle of the Yechanan Kain Gadol, the Chashmenayim, a band of maybe five, seven Jews that went up against the mighty Syrian Greek army and they won. We say in Alanisim that Rabbi Biad Ma'atim. Where do we see Rabbi Biad Ma'atim? We see it already in the, in the dream of Pari, that that happens all the time. Main Chalim Pari. This was Pari's nightmare. And so it's very, very uh, appropriate, says Rav Shab, that, that Shabbos Chanukah is Parashas Miketz. And I have a nice Vartara to say over next Shabbos, Shabbos Hanukkah, because it's, it's a perfect Vartara. Parah's dream was about Rabban Be'ad Ma'atim, and that's what really we're bringing to the fore on, Shabbos, on Hanukkah. And I think that these two Varts of, of Rav Schwab that we learned tonight are really, in a certain way, uh, very connected to each other. Because even though even though that the power of the Eight Sahara is very, very strong, it's impossible. The Eight Sahara is a great foe that don't ever underestimate. Ah, I'm from, I'm a Bentaira, I could, I could deal with it, I could handle it, it's not a big deal for me. It's not true. The Eight Sahara is, is super powerful. It's the same Eight Sahara that the Aves, the Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov had to contend with, and David and Melech had to contend with. It's the same Yitzhara. Yitzhara is a super, super strong power. It's, it's the Gibayrim. And relative to the Yitzhara, we're Chalashim. It's Mamish David and Goliath. We're, we're so weak. Not because we're not from, not because, it's just so hard. This generation, you know, the, the Taivas are so, are, so, are so evident, and they're so available, and they're so, you know, but 
part of the nace of Hanukkah and part of the message of Hanukkah is that as formidable an enemy as it is, it's possible for us to vanquish the Yitzhar. It's possible even for us small individuals with uh, far outnumbered, far outmanned than the powerful Yitzhar. It's possible. It's not easy, but it's possible for us to somehow take on the Yitzhar and beat him. And Hanukkah, one of the many messages of Hanukkah is just that, that if Rabban Biad Matam is true with the warfare that took place against this, the Greeks, then it could certainly be true as well for the Yitzhahara that exists, the Asia's Paitifiers out there, and we can't play games with it. We can't do what Yasef did and try to see, flirt with it and schmooze with it and see how far we could get with it before we... It has to be a very clear line of demarcation. We have to really figure out ways to be miscabra over it. Today they have so many different techniques of, uh, you know, how to, how to be miscabra. There's websites that uh, guard your eyes that teaches you how to, how to deal with these uh, taivas. And then there's uh, web chaver and there's uh, different types of filtering systems and, and then having a buddy system. And, and what, or, but the best thing really is just to not have it in your room. Like if you need it, you keep it in your locker, the computer, you know, the cell phone is much, much harder. You know, somebody pointed out that, that the Yitzhar is so brilliant, they put, he puts an alarm on the, on the smartphones. You have to have it by your bed. If you have it by your bed, you'll use it if you're, you know, in the middle of the night, in the beginning of the night, the end of the night. Um, it's not easy. And, uh, you know, it's a strong case for just having an alarm clock and not having the smartphone. But everybody has to work on their Yitzhar in their own way and deal with these the challenges of technology in their own way, but it's, it, the good news is that as hard as it is to vanquish, it's doable. And the proof that it's doable is Hanukkah, that we could, we could take down a, a, an enemy that's much larger and much more powerful if we just have the resolve to do it. And sometimes it's hard. During the rest of the year, it's hard. Hanukkah, if we daven and we like really try to find within us that inner strength and willpower and, 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 and fight, then we will, Amir Hashem, be able to take on the, uh, the Gibayrim. And albeit sometimes we feel very like big Chaloshim, but Hanukkah affords us, and the days before Hanukkah, Amir Hashem will afford us the opportunity to think about the fight and to take the fight to the enemy and Amir Hashem to win.